This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this Monday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. Red Sox wrapped up a three-game set with the Milwaukee Brewers this weekend, losing the series two games to one. They are currently still last place in the American League East, three and a half games out of a wild card spot, and 18 games back of the division-leading New York Yankees. Quick disclaimer, as always, for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine. You can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining us tonight from the city of Canton, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. Jason? So I'm guessing my 94 win prediction is not going to hold up. I'm afraid not. Mm. Yeah, not not looking great. So doing um, math on the fly here, there's 59 games left and the Red Sox would have to win 43 out of 59 games. <laughs> yeah, no shot. No, that's that one's done. Yep. <laughs> that oh, is well. cooked. Yeah. Also joining us tonight from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. What's going on, gentlemen? Uh, just happy we were able to salvage the series, get a nice little win, even though one of our, uh, you know, former guys did some damage again. It's just been a brutal last couple of weeks. I'm just curious to know who's going and who's staying. I still hope they all stay, or most of them, but that's probably a pipe dream at this point. Bloom's favorite Pornhub category is prospects, and uh, he's probably perusing that as we speak. Uh, so we're on watch right now uh, as we're recording this. We're checking our Twitter feeds for any breaking news. That's where all news breaks, uh, you know, across any media uh, landscape. So we're checking for that. If uh, a trade happens on Monday, there will be an emergency podcast Monday night to cover that as far as who got traded, what we got back, what it means for the team. And, uh, and then most likely a trade deadline recap show on Tuesday night. So it's going to be a busy week. We're still going to be recording Hot Take Tuesday. Perhaps that gets uh, delayed, uh, you know, at some point in the week. But um, th- this could be one of the last real busy weeks of the season here on the podcast. So, uh, all right. Well, the, the Red Sox lost the series. I, I don't think we've won one since June, if I'm not mistaken. So... For the fourth or fifth weekend in a row, we're going to do the weekend shit list. Uh, So uh, we uh, figured out which order it would be. We're just going to do a top three uh, for this show. And uh, my guy happened to be number three, so I'll lead off. Going with Bobby Dahlbeck, 
one for 11 in the series. It has been torture this season. He's benefited as far as getting playing time due to the Devers injury. I think Devers is due to come back on Tuesday. Uh, Definitely some point this week, but uh, that doesn't mean Bobby still won't be getting a lot of time at first. Franchi Cordero isn't lighting it up after that uh, strikeout streak that he had, but I'm just hoping that this is the the last year uh, for Bobby. I I hope there's going to be some type of a solution next year that, that doesn't involve him. If we blow this up and inevitably finish in last place, Heim Bloom is going to be under pressure. Tom Warner said uh, over the weekend, uh, somewhat emphatically, that it's been a depressing season. That's exactly what he said. It's been a depressing season. And it was a little kind of refreshing, as I said, to hear that. And I think most Red Sox fans would like ownership to be a little bit frustrated. I think the general consensus among the fan base is that ownership doesn't care. So, you know, we'd like to see that they care. And and a big part of having a better 2023 playing in contention right out of the gates will not involve Bobby Dahlbeck on either corners of the Red Sox infield. I I think we've seen enough. Send him down Michael Chavis Avenue to another team that thinks they can fix him. So, Charlie. No, that's me saying bye. (laughs) I'm I'm done with Bobby. I've been so done with Bobby Bobby D. Bye-bye. It is just a black hole whenever he plays. It's infuriating to see him come up to the dish and flail. I mean, you could give him a bat that's twice as big as far as like width of that bat to try to hit something he's still gonna whiff and and strike out it's just i can't do it anymore i mean the 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 excuses that people are making for him are just pathetic at this point just downright awful yeah uh you mentioned that you hope it's the last year we see bobby dahlbeck i kind of hope this is the last weekend we see bobby dahlbeck i wouldn't mind if like you said send him you know, do a Michael Chavis type of trade and just send them somewhere for a valuable relief pitcher or something, you know, and, and you're not going to get much for him. Unfortunately, his value's pretty low at the moment, but if some stupid team out there is willing to buy into a 26 year old right-handed, you know, hitter who's maybe has power left, you know, go nuts, find, find a trade partner and get something for him. Um, or at the very least, you know, if you don't trade him this deadline, Hopefully he goes off in September again when, you know, teams have quit and they're trotting out their double A pitchers and he hits a bunch of home runs and bumps his trade value up a little bit. And then you do what you should have done last offseason and you trade him this offseason. Either way, whether you trade him in the next 48 hours or you trade him this offseason, I agree. Bobby Dahlbeck should not be a part of this team to start the 2023 season. It's just you can't do it anymore. The Bobby Dahlbeck experiment failed. It's over. It's time to move on. I think Heim Bloom wants him for the rest of the year because he he wants as good of a draft pick next year as he can get. And he might personally see to it that this team is absolutely terrible to try and ensure that. Do you think Heim Bloom was happy? We won the series finale today, seven to two. Do you think he was like, oh, yay, we, we didn't get swept? I I think secretly he might be kind of happy. He might be, yeah. He, he also might be just looking at it going, oh, great, we won today, and now people are going to want to keep all these guys that I might want to trade. Damn it. So I don't know. It, it's hard to – High and Bloom is impossible to figure out right now because he talks out of both sides of his mouth saying, oh, we're going to be buyers and sellers and, you know, our goal is still to make the postseason, but then you see the lineups are trotting out there and you see the roster he's put together and you go, really? Yeah. You, you think that's a playoff roster? Okay. So 
I don't know. He's a tough one to figure out, but I agree. I, I think that he would prefer that uh, he get a higher draft pick next year because we know how much he likes that. How many teams are in the lottery? Because that's what it's going to be going forward. Do we know this? I want to say it's six or seven. I That sounds right. Yeah, I, that would be my guess. Six or seven teams are probably in that area. Because it might even it might be hard to even get there at this point because the Tigers are at forty one wins, so ten less than us. The Kansas City Royals have eleven wins less than us. Rangers are five under us. Angels are eight under us. The Oakland A's are twelve under us, and that's just the American League and. The Nationals, it looks like. Yeah, the Nationals are the worst team in the league with only 35 wins. So we're, right now we have the 13th worst record. So to get to that bottom seven, uh, <laughs> it's going to have to take some work. You better trade Schreiber and and Hauk and all them <laughs> if you really want a shot at getting there. But, but yeah, so we'll see what happens. Uh I think a Dahlbeck trade this week would make us happy, but um, it's hard to imagine there's a team out there that wants him. Uh, Jason, go ahead. Uh, number two on the shit list. Yeah, number two is another guy that shouldn't be on this roster uh, in 2023. I have a nightmarish feeling that he still will be somehow, uh, and that's Jackie Bradley Jr. Because I thought after we got rid of him. And after he went to Milwaukee, that we saw the end of Jackie Bradley jr. And I was wrong because in walks high and bloom. And he decides, you know what? This Hunter Renfro guy who hits a bunch of home runs and has a cannon for an arm. I don't want him. You know, he only cost me 9 million bucks, but I don't want him. I'm going to trade him for Jackie Bradley jr. And Jackie Bradley jr. Is going to be my everyday right fielder. Now, I've said it before, the only pass I give Haim on this one is that he did not anticipate the Kike Hernandez injury, which has basically been a season-ending hip injury. So he expected to have a little more offense in his outfield, hence why he had no problem putting Jackie in right field and just relying on him for defense. But it's not just that Jackie Bradley's been a bad hitter this year. He's almost somehow gotten worse. And... When you compare him this weekend to his counterpart that he was traded for, Hunter Renfro, two home runs this weekend, just absolutely blasting off on you. He's got 19 home runs on the year. There was a tweet the other day that Hunter Renfro has 19 homers. The Red Sox outfield combined has 21. So this guy single-handedly is giving the Brewers the same production that your entire outfield roster is in 2022 and what annoys me so much about that Hunter Renfro for Jackie Bradley trade is that basically the reason Hyam made the trade wasn't because he really really wanted Jackie Bradley what he wanted was this Alex Benellis kid who was I think the number 14 prospect in Milwaukee system at the time Alex Benellis is hitting 140 in double a right now for the Red Sox he stinks. He looks like he can't hit. So this guy that Kyan Bloom coveted, this prospect that he coveted, that he basically paid for by taking on Bradley's stupid contract, looks like he can't play. And Hunter Renfro has been really valuable for Milwaukee this year. Has he been the perfect player? No. You know, he still has his defensive lapses every now and then. He still has games where he goes 0 for 4 with a couple of strikeouts. But his production is just, it's like tenfold what you're getting from your outfielders right now, particularly the right field position. So you mentioned, you know, Dahlbeck was on your shit list. First base was a massive, you know, gaping hole this year. So was right field. That entire side of your field has just been a joke this year. It's been terrible. And it really slapped you in the face this weekend with Hunter Renfro just blasting off over the monster. So that trade, you know, we give High and Bloom credit for his good trades. We give him credit for the Pavetta trade and stuff like that. That trade is probably one of the worst I've ever seen 
and it's getting worse and worse by the day. Yeah, just to add on to what uh, Jason said, you know, when when we got rid of her, you know, when Sox ownership got rid of Jackie Bradley, um, it's kind of odd, you know, like it felt weird when we got Hunter Renfro. I wasn't crazy about it, but I wasn't against it because the power was there. This is someone who had cracked 30 home runs once before and had a really quality year. Um, there is no comparing Hunter Renfro with Jackie Bradley. This trade was awful. Uh, Jason already mentioned that Benelis is hitting one, you said 140 at double A. That's awful. I mean, if, if you can't get that done, I just had to quickly take a look at it. He's striking out 40% of the time. That's awful. 40% strikeout share at double A. That's terrible. Kids 22. So there's still a little bit of time to see, you know, like what happens. The other player in that deal that we got was David Hamilton. David Hamilton is faster than Jesus. Like th- this is faster than anybody else we've seen. He's hitting 230 at AA, so not as bad, or you know, not as bad as 140. He's stealing bases, hitting some home runs, and this is looking like the better player of the two. Does it justify the contract addition that we end up taking on for Jackie Bradley? I literally am telling myself, if we're taking on this contract, we have got to have one and a half really good players. This is someone who's getting what, 12 million this year? I, I don't even remember. It's 11 or 12 million. And the next year, I think he's getting the same thing or like 10 million, something like that. So already we're missing and we're not even one season into it. We got to wear this costume again next year. We have no idea where Benelis is going to be. We have no idea where Hamilton's going to be. I project that both are probably going to be double A at some point next year. You can't drop Benelis down to single A again. So you got to hope that he can figure it out next year. And hopefully, maybe, uh, this trade won't look like complete um, doggy doo-doo because this is not looking good. And uh, Hunter Renfro had one less home run in this series against the Red Sox than Jackie Bradley does all season. So that's something to just think about. You know, that in relation to what, what Jason said earlier, Hunter Renfro's 19 home runs and the Red Sox outfield combined have just two more home runs granted we weren't anticipating the injury to kike hernandez that's still part of the game and we haven't been bit by the injury bug in a really really long time this isn't like the new york yankees when they had 21 guys out and they were still somewhat relevant when they had no rotation except for garrett cole so i don't want to hear that the injuries are the reason why this team is doing badly we we have injuries and poor play everything that could possibly go wrong for boston right now is and freak injuries too like what happened to Chris Sale. Who in their right mind could have predicted that? 24 pitches in, possibly season over. I admire the fact that Chris Sale thinks he's going to come back. I don't see it happening. So this trade, it hurts. It really does. And he covets prospects and he prides himself on being really, really good. He got this one wrong, really wrong, at least right now. Next year, new year, we'll see what happens. But uh, already we're, uh, we're like five over par and we're uh, on the third hole. So it's going to be a miraculous recovery for these prospects to try to save face for Heim Bloom because this was a, just as Jason said it already, it's looking worse and worse by the day. Just having a guy like Renfro who would probably be hitting fifth in the lineup. Let's see it. We go Devers, Bogarts, Martinez. Actually. Well, not necessarily because where does Verdugo hit? Maybe Verdugo goes to the towards the top and he's been hitting very well up at the top of the order since story went down uh, and Devers went on the uh, injured list. But here's the stat for you. This is the stat that condemns the Bradley trade. Defensive war. Jackie Bradley has a 0.4 defensive war. So it's in the positives. In the positives. Hunter Renfro, a 0.6 defensive war. Having a much better year defensively and only by a couple of points is, is a better defensive player than Jackie Bradley Jr., in 2022. 
So you literally, you got nothing out of Bradley. There's nothing about Jackie Bradley that is better than Hunter Renfro in 2022. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. I was looking up his defensive stats the other day. Like, he's still throwing runners out, Renfro. He, he's still, I think he's got eight or nine outfield assists on the year, but he's not whipping the ball around carelessly like he did last year. He's being a lot more careful, and he has, you know, he's on pace to, I think, cut his errors in half from last year, which, you know, he had, I think, 16 errors last year. So, yeah, he definitely had a lot of screw-ups, but he has improved defensively, and – Look, I, I already know that, you know, the the Jackie Bradley defenders will come out and say, well, he's playing right field. He's playing out of position. He's a center fielder. If he was in center field, his defensive war would be, you know, one plus. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. It's, you know, this guy's supposed to be an elite defender. You should be able to put him in right field and get something out of him. And you're not. You're just, you know, you would have gotten more out of Renfro. So all the way around, like you said, you, you got absolutely nothing from that trade. And just in comparison, in 2021, Renfro was a zero point negative, excuse me, negative 0. 0.5, uh, you know, defensive war player. So at plus 0. 0.6, that's 1.1 points better, you know, so he's he's improved greatly. He did have a 1.2 defensive war somehow in 2019 with the Padres. That's his only other year where he's uh, been in the positives. But even if it's the Hunter Renfro of 2021, you're still taking him over Bradley. And, and the the crime isn't just the trade either. It's the fact that they never addressed it. They never addressed bringing in another right fielder and making Bradley just a bench guy, which is what he is. Rolling with Bradley as a almost everyday outfielder. You know, that's just. Yeah, that, that was really the part that shocked me because when that trade happened, we heard it from everybody. Oh, there's another move coming. This isn't this isn't the be all end all. There's another move coming, and then there wasn't one. And then all of a sudden, it's Christian Arroyo's getting reps out in right field because they're panicking and they realize that they made a bad move. And it just it all just blew up so badly. I I, I can't believe it. Well, it's definitely going to be one of the the worst trades of the Bloom era. I, I don't see. Well, perhaps maybe David Hamilton could be the surprise of that trade, but uh, you know, it's it's been terrible. All right, Charlie, the number one spot for the weekend, who is it? Yeah, for this one, it was uh kind of hard um to to watch it on Saturday night when uh Nick Pavetta went up against the Brewers and some more of the same stuff. Fourth start out of five where he just could not get it done. He's 0-3, closing out the month of July. He's had four clunkers. He had a decent one against the, the Guardians, but it still didn't feel still didn't feel like he was back. Um, that's his first time we allowed less than four runs in the month. That's not going to cut it. He didn't have a quality start. After having five of six in June, 25 earned runs in the month of July. 19 the last two months combined. 34 total runs before the month of July. The strikeouts are down. The home runs are up. The nightmare is real. Job, I believe, said... And and no fault no fault to his own here. Uh, thought that Pavetta could win twenty. I said if we're lucky, we're going to get sixteen. This is somebody who was eight and five before we ended up shooting that uh, show. And since his eight and five record, where he was three point two five, he's zero and three in his last six starts. 
His ERA has blown up to 4.47, a 9.38 ERA. This is a much better trade for, for Heim Bloom, as far as I'm concerned. But what happened to Nick Pavetta? I have no words for this. Our entire rotation is in shambles. Our win streak high since the All-Star break? One. That's pathetic. We haven't been able to take a series. Um, we're three and eight now. That sucks. We got swept by Toronto. One, you know, tied Cleveland two to two. One one out of three against Milwaukee. The last time that we won back-to-back games was against the Yankees, and we only won that first game because Donaldson botched it. Our real last back-to-back wins, Chicago and then Tampa Bay, July 3rd and July 4th. That is how badly this entire team is done. Starts with pitching. We blame the injuries all we want. If your stars can't give you quality starts, you can't even give five innings. We have relievers opening games. That is not going to cut it, gentlemen. That is not going to get us anywhere remotely close. We all said before the season started, nah, Red Sox probably a fourth-place team. And then we hit fourth place again. We're like, all right, reality. And then Baltimore got hot, and we found ourselves in fifth place. And this has eerie, like, Bobby Valentine vibes all over it. Everything that could possibly go wrong, injury or otherwise, is happening. No one seems happy. Fenway Park is being drowned by opposing fans. That's disrespectful. We always have more fans than our opponents. And when Renfro hit a bomb, the place blew up. And I'm sure there were some Red Sox fans that were happy to see him, you know, do some work. But more Milwaukee Brewers fans than Red Sox fans at Fenway Park? Come on, guys. Come on. That's unacceptable. There, there, there's a lot that we can handle, but getting drowned out by opposing fans at your house, you're turning into the Tampa Bay Rays, Toronto Blue Jays, teams that are consistently having more fans from the other team go see their games. It's terrible. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of incredible to think that at one point, starting pitching was the strength of this team. It really was. Ivaldi uh, was pitching well. Pavetta was pitching well. You were getting better performances than you thought from guys like Michael Waka and Rich Hill. Um, and then you know you'd have the occasional, you know, uh, Tanner Houck game. Even you know even when Whitlock went into the rotation before he got hurt, it wasn't too too bad. Now all of a sudden, injuries combined with a you know lack of performance has been killing this team. Walker goes down, Hill goes down, Whitlock goes down, Ivaldi goes down, and then Nick Pavetta had a great June, but now here in July, you're, you know, you get Ivaldi back, but you're still missing a lot of guys. Chris Sale goes down again, probably for the rest of the year. I doubt he pitches again. And Nick Pavetta has gone backwards. And it's just killing them. When, when you have guys like Pavetta and Ivaldi who you rely on to anchor that rotation while you're trying to keep your head above water with all the injuries, and the, he's just not performing. And like you said, 25 earned runs in not even 25 innings pitched in the month of July. He's getting tattooed out there. He's not missing as many bats as he used to. He's walking more guys too. That's a concern because he's always been a pretty good control guy. You know, and he's going well. He maybe walks one or two guys a game, that's it. Now he's couple, He's had a couple of games where he's walked three or four. So he's losing control. The ball's leaving the ballpark. It's really, it's part of the reason why this team is nosediving in July is because of guys like Nick Pavetta, who, you know, look, he, he's not an ace. We know this, okay? We're, we're not expecting Nick Pavetta to be an ace. But given all the injuries and given all the shuffling of that rotation that you've had go on, you need him to at least be consistent and you need him to be stable. And he hasn't been that in July, June. He was great. June, he was on fire and it was, and we all sat here and went, okay, thank God for Nick Pavetta. Thank God. He, you know, he made some adjustment and he figured it out. 
and he's pitching his ass off. And now it's just gone completely in the opposite direction again at the worst possible time when you just have too many guys on the shelf and too many guys that just, you have no idea when or if they're ever coming back. Like it, we, we don't know what this rotation is going to look like in August. Like I said, Chris sale, probably done for the year. James Paxton, who, by the way, we're paying what, $10 million to or something. Um, it, haven't heard from him. Haven't heard, you know, was supposed to be a second half guy. We're now into August. I still haven't heard where he is. So I'd love to see that guy pretty soon. You know, Waka supposedly is getting close, but who knows? Rich Hill, who knows? Like, it's you need guys like Nick Pavetta to really stabilize things at a time like this. And he's doing the exact opposite. So it's absolutely killing them. Um, unfortunately, this is just kind of who Nick Pavetta is. He's always going to be a pitcher who's, you know, an ERA in the fours. At times he looks like he can, you know, win a Cy Young. And then at other times it looks like he doesn't belong in a big league rotation. So it's, it's frustrating. It's maddening as hell especially when the team is struggling. And like I said, they're just torpedoing their season right now, but this is who he is. It's who he's kind of always been. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully August is another turnaround month for him. Right. And he makes some adjustment and goes on another tear, but I don't have a ton of confidence in that right now. Does it seem to you guys like perhaps Paxton is being intentionally held back that wouldn't surprise me just given again the circumstances because why rush him at this point like what just to have him pitch two months after the trade deadline when you can't even get value for him anymore so yeah maybe they're intentionally holding him back because they're just sort of looking at it going well he's now at this point he's not due to really pitch in the big leagues till mid to late August. And by then the Red Sox are going to be out of it. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're just holding them back because they're kind of sitting there going, what's the point now? Well, I really believe that as far as 2022 goes, I don't think Bloom wants this team to turn around. I think he just wants to get what he can for these guys. Cause this is his last chance. He's not going to have another summer like this without severe consequences, without sitting on a, a really hot seat. This is his last chance to bolster that farm. And I've said all season, he's obsessed with getting our overall farm ranking up as high as he can. He probably wants to be number one, but would he be happy with third or fourth? Yeah, probably. And so why why sabotage that by bringing in a, another number two pitcher that would otherwise elevate the performance of this team? Paxton's been throwing bullpens for a while now. There's no reason he shouldn't be, you know, having one or two rehab starts by now. If there's a legit concern, he could come back in the bullpen and, you know, pitch that way. But... It's just puzzling to me that he's not up yet. And I saw a report a couple of days ago that mid-August would be optimistic. So, going to be a little while on him. As far as Nick Pavetta goes, this is who he is. He's always going to be six to eight weeks on, six to eight weeks off. Six to eight weeks back on, six to eight weeks back off. He's been this way his whole career. I I can't figure out how he still has a 2.0 war right now, but that's where he's at. With a four and a half ERA. Um, it's frustrating. And what I'm wondering is, could he possibly be dealt? Could Bloom be like, you know what? That's not worth the headache going forward. I don't think anybody would complain if Pavetta was their number five. If that's how it would shake out. But maybe Bloom could dangle him out there and another team thinks they could fix him for this final push towards the postseason. I wouldn't be shocked if, if he gets dealt. I think I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Dangle him out there and see if, you know, some team is willing to get stupid because um, teams, you know, tend to get desperate and stupid around the deadline, but I don't love the idea of just taking more away from 
your pitching depth because Evaldi might be dealt in the next couple of days too. So if Evaldi gets dealt, then I don't think Pavetta is going to because there's only so many pitchers you can trade. You still need to trust someone out there to give you, you know, four or five innings. And the Red Sox pitching depth, like their pitching pipeline is not very good. It's Bayo and it's maybe Brian Mata. And that's about it. You've seen what you're going you're gonna to get from Winkowski. You've seen what you're going to get from guys like Cutter Crawford, who I like, but I think is limited. Um, so I, I just, I don't love the idea, especially since you still have Pavetta under team control for a couple more years. You don't have to really pay him a big contract anytime soon. So I think the fact that he's cost controlled and that you don't have a ton of pitching depth, I think makes it unlikely he gets dealt, but I don't hate the idea of dangling, dangling him out there and seeing if anyone wants to take a bite. Well, I think there's a possibility we could get a pitcher back, like just in terms of a, a warm body to trot out there. You know, I, I get the fact that he's got, I think two more years beyond this and perhaps that's more valuable to us keeping him here than, than trading him. But I'm just, I guess, more curious to see if there's a high level of frustration uh, with him uh, beyond Alex Cora that, that goes up to the front office. So we'll see Charlie, any more thoughts on Pavetta? No, I mean, you already hit the nail on the head. There's going to be, I think there's going to be a shakeup. Um, where I see Pavetta in the rotation, I think will drastically depend on what changes this team makes for 2023. We cannot go into this coming season with the situation that we have right now. I'm not going to be accepting Rich Hill signings, Michael Walker signings. Uh, who am I missing? Paxton signed $6 million for a player who hasn't played. Unacceptable. You're the GM for one of the biggest market teams in baseball. The Red Sox have allocated, I mean, what, Waka got, I think, four or five million packs and six. Price is getting 16 million. I mean, that's 30 plus million right there. That's ridiculous. Not even playing. We have a payroll of 206 million. They're talking about adding bats. Why the hell are we talking about adding bats? We don't have pitchers. We need to figure out we need to figure out what Pavetta can actually do and we need to see if this is just a blip on the radar or if this is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Because believe me when I tell you if Pavetta's this way, he's nothing more than a fifth starter. Fringe. You can give us six innings in some starts and then you get blown up for a whole month. Guess what? Teams aren't going to be cool with that and the Red Sox can't afford to be okay with that. This is a 500 at very, very best right now. We are probably going to finish. I hate to admit it. I, I'm not happy to say it, but we're going to finish below 500. I think there's a very good chance that that happens. Part of the reason why is because of Nick Pavetta, because he can't give us five, six innings of quality baseball. Can't even give us four innings of quality baseball without getting shelled for four or five runs, getting slapped around. He needs to, he needs to figure this out. I I'd say seventy two wins is I think where we're where we're headed at this point. Just a just a weird. I want to throw it out there just for the heck of it. If Mike Yastrzemski doesn't cost a ton, do you trade for him? The attraction is he's controllable for I think let's see, three more years beyond this, and it just you don't have anybody in the in the farm so you'd be getting a controllable guy not having a great year but i think comparatively it could be a hunter renfro type you know comparison and i just wonder playing for his grandfather's old team does does that create some energy and and maybe his numbers are where they were in 2018 2019 So I'll say this much. I think if the Red Sox were in a better state of mind and everyone's psyche wasn't completely shattered, the idea of bringing another Yastrzemski to Boston would be amazing. I would love to say I got to watch one of the Yaz's play in Boston for a little while and not against us where he hit a home run. 
but for us where he hit a home run and maybe a game-winning hit, that'd be awesome. Unfortunately, I just kind of feel like Red Sox Nation, for one point or another, especially the ones that are supporting Bloom, are just kind of like love drunk. They're just fascinated with what Bloom is doing, and he, and they, they can't admit to themselves that while Bloom has made some good moves, he's made a majority of bad ones and ones that haven't really panned out yet. That being said, could I see the Red Sox adding Yaz? I would love to say yes. Unfortunately, that's not the priority player that we need to get right now. I don't know what it would cost to get him. I think it would have been great to bring him on and sell Bobby Dahlbeck before the season started. That would have been great. But that's not happening. Well, I think before the season, they thought they could compete. I mean, they won 107 last year. I don't think they expected quite that this year, but I figured, you know, they must have believed they were a 90-plus win team. But I don't know. It's just a name, and we know Bloom tried to get uh, Chris Bryant a few years ago, and I think he will get one player who is controllable for multiple years. I do think a move like that will happen. It's just, is it something we're going to be crazy about is the, is the, uh, main question, but that's, that would be a sneaky one that I wouldn't mind. And I don't think it would cost a ton. I don't think you're, I'd be surprised if you even dealt a top 10 prospect in that deal, but, um, yeah. All right. So, uh, I guess with that, we'll go over to the Astro series and I believe Nathan Avoldi is at the moment scheduled to pitch game one of that series. Am I correct? Pulling it up now. Yes. Nathan Avoldi versus Luis Garcia in game one. Do the Red Sox have any chance, Jason? <laughs> uh no, no, I, I don't think so. Uh, Houston is in the elite tier of the American League along with the Yankees, so I don't have high hopes for this series at all. Um, like you said, right now, Nathan Navaldi is slated to start. I think these next, these first two games at least, you know, we have to sort of keep an eye on that. But Luis Garcia is nasty. This guy's been so good all year. He's one of the best pitchers on that staff. Houston's offense is ridiculous right now. And watch out because Houston's going to add too. They're going to add something at the deadline. They're going to get even nastier. Um, I don't like the Red Sox chances in this one. I'll take Houston. Was this really even a question? You got one guy who's four and three ERA north of four, four other guy is a sub four ERA with almost 10 wins. He's literally got twice as good. The record. More strikeouts, better whip. Garcia's going to wipe them all over the floor. And I like Evaldi. I hate that I'm saying this because I hate Houston. You guys will remember for the listeners out there, I will never pick the Houston Astros to win the AL West out of principle. I hate the Astros. But this team is far superior than the product that we're putting out there. It's it's not going to be a happy call, and I feel like I'm going to have something very similar to Jason for all three games. Houston wins game one. Does Evaldi even make that start? I think might be the better question. I still think yes, he does. I like, I could definitely see him getting traded somehow. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's a QO offer. Like he's the highest QO offer candidate that they've got. So I, I think they're going to hang on to him. And they're going to give him the QO in the offseason. I think he could net you the biggest package, though. Um, The downside to letting him start is maybe his value goes down. Let's face it, he hasn't looked great since he's come back. And the downside for the team that acquires him is if they don't get him quick enough, he won't be ready until Saturday to make his first start with that team. So... There are some interesting uh, implications here, but I I hope we don't trade anybody. <laughs> I really don't. I, you get Casas in at first base. He's tearing it up right now. 
maybe that's a bit of a game changer. You're getting Waka back. You could make a case that we could compete for that last wild card spot if you really, really wanted to. I don't think Bloom wants to, but all right. Uh, game two. Oh, officially, I'm taking the Astros in that one. Game two, according to ESPN, consider the source. We have Cutter Crawford going on Tuesday, which I'm sure probably would, actually. And he's facing Christian Javier. Jason, who wins that one? Yeah, no surprise here. I'm taking Houston in game two as well. Um, Christian Javier is a really good pitcher. I, I Again, Cutter Crawford's one of these guys. I like him. I like his compete. But I feel like that Houston lineup is going to be too much for him. The Red Sox have faced Javier once before. He went seven innings, struck out nine of you, and only gave up two runs. So he knows how to handle his Red Sox lineup. And it could be a very different looking lineup by Tuesday as well. We don't know who's still going to be here and who's not. So I, I just, all signs point to Houston for that one. Deadlines at 6 p.m. that night in the game. That's Eastern, so that would be 7 Central, which is an hour and 10 minutes before the scheduled start time of the game. So it'd be interesting to know if they, they're carrying extra players down there. I don't know if the beat writers have been on that yet or not, but you'd figure Connor Wong would have to be there uh, in case Vasquez goes. Um, who else? I don't think you're too worried about DH. I mean, you could wing it for a night if you had to. Um, and then, yeah. So I guess Connor Wong would be the only interesting one anyway. Is there any other position players that could get dealt? Doesn't sound like it. Alex Verdugo's name, interestingly, has not been brought up. You'd think that would be an attractive one for... Yeah, I I wonder with um, I mean maybe Dahlbeck is a guy who gets traded. You know, we, we talked about that. You know, he's um, he's he's a candidate. So Christian Arroyo is a candidate as well. Sure. You know, and yeah. I, he hasn't been healthy for very long. But anyone looking for a depth infielder, so keep an eye on Jeter Downs if he gets called right back up or something like that. Yeah, and Arroyo was five for six on this series with two walks. So, you know, I, I don't know if teams are going to be looking at it like that, but I secretly, I kind of hope we keep a Royal, but, uh, all right. So Charlie, how do you have? Same as Jason. It's going to be an ugly series. Um, Jason already said it. Javier's a really, really great pitcher. Nothing on Crawford. He just doesn't have the lineup behind him. And Christian Javier can easily go six plus and strike out 10. And against this lineup, I think 10 is possibly the floor. You have Duran in the lineup. You got Dahlbeck in that lineup. You got Jackie Bradley in the lineup. You do have Verdugo in the lineup. So that's kind of negative strikeouts. But very good chance you strike out all three of those guys two times or more. So there's a possibility that we could see. Javier goes six innings, 10 strikeouts, allow maybe one or two runs on four or five hits and get the win. Good. Uh, on Wednesday, we've got a TBD versus um, Urquidy. I forget his first name. Jose Urquidy. So, yeah, Jose Urquidy. Yep. So I'm going to go first and say Houston's going to win this one too. I hate that I'm picking a Houston Astros sweep. I just know that uh, Jason has been um, kind of going first, and uh, if we end up matching, I won't feel that bad that we we, we match the same. Uh, Urquidy's had eight in a row, eight starts in a row of six innings or more. Nine of his last ten. He's five and two in his last ten, and has dropped his ERA from four point eight to three point eight six. He has three times faced the Seattle Mariners in the last two months, and the first of those three was the last real bad performance one against texas his team won against the mets he got the win there and he's gotten the win against la oakland and seattle the guy has done great against imperial teams he is going to slap boston around and another quality start incoming 
You know, uh, or, or, go ahead, Jason. Oh, you go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say the frustrating thing is Houston's a pitching factory and Alex Cora came from there. He's had a front row seat to whatever voodoo they're making their pitchers do. And then you got Heim Bloom from Tampa, another pitching factory. <laughs> just what do we have here in Boston? I mean, it's just Jesus Christ. But go ahead. Who are you picking? I, that might be Bayo. That might be a Brian Bayo start, I'm guessing. But Yeah, I'm actually I'm going to fuck the trend. I'm going to pick the Red Sox uh, in game three. Somehow, I think they're going to salvage a game out of this series. Um, they've faced Rikidi twice. He's still 2-0 and against them, but they've knocked him around a little bit. He's given up a couple of homers. He is susceptible to the long ball. He's given up 17 home runs this year. So I could see the Red Sox just, you know, the, the dust settles after the deadline and the guys who maybe are a little bit jittery because they're nervous they're going to get traded. If they're still here, they can take a breath. They can relax. They'll go out there and they'll play a good game. And, again, I, I think this is the guy in this series. This is the most hittable guy they're going to face. So I actually think the Red Sox will somehow find a way to pull that one out. I'm taking the Astros. <laughs> just they're just they're kicking it into that next gear, you know, sixth gear, whatever you want to call it. And they're gonna overtake the Yankees for the number one seed. I think we're lucky we're not facing Verlander at any point because thirty nine year old pitchers are scary, apparently. Um, but he uh does not pitch this series. In fact, I don't see. Oh, never mind. That's only three games. So, yeah. So, Jason will take the Red Sox in one game. Terry and Charlie sweeps. We'll be back tomorrow, possibly with Hot Take Tuesday. That episode will come out at some point this week. But if an emergency episode happens on Monday night, that will become your Tuesday episode. And uh, and then your... um your trade recap, the the full trade recap of every move the Red Sox made will be on um, Wednesday. So you, you might actually get a day with two shows coming out at the same time. So like I said, busy week, but we'll be back tomorrow one way or the other. Everybody have a good Monday. Take care. <laughs>